Welcome back, everybody, to the Really Real Real Estate Podcast. This is episode 13. My name is Lou Lombardi, and I want to ask you, are you really ready to sell your house? How many times have you heard your spouse say to you or your kids, you ready yet? We need to leave. We need to be on the road in five minutes. Well, as a licensed realtor, Jason has often found himself asking sellers, are you ready yet? And he's not referring to them physically leaving the house to go somewhere, but asking if they are really ready to put their home on the market and to sell it to a serious prospective buyer. Today, we are talking about the basics you need to adhere to as a seller if you are serious about listing your home in today's market. Now, here's your host, the man with all the answers, Jason Wilcox. <laughs> How are you today, Lou? Oh man, I'm I'm doing absolutely wonderful. Uh, I love I, lo- I I learned so much when we do these shows, and I'm really interested in this because I've actually talked to you a couple times, dabbling with the idea of selling my house. So I'm really curious about your thoughts on this. So um, glad we're talking about it. And, awesome. uh, uh, so, so the first thing we, we were, uh, you know, we have here on our list of, uh, of ideas or topics is this idea of prepping though. Cause you just don't sell, right. You have to right. kind of like get, get things prepped. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's kind of almost my, my disclaimer for how we're, we're setting up this particular episode. So what we're really talking about today is what are some of the basic just must haves that you need to do if you're really wanting to put your home on, on the market. Um, now as a disclaimer, I am not a stager. I am not a professional stager. Um, I can, you know, if it were up to me, I'd be wearing navy blue and black all the time, which according to my wife apparently is like an unwritten crime and fashion law. Um, I am not a professional stager. And and truth be told, there are some agents out there who may have staging backgrounds that may be a service that they offer as part of um, their services um, and their expertise to their, their clients. And I fully support that. There are some people out there that are awesome. For me, this is just kind of the. I'm not a. I'm not a stager. I'm just somebody who is trying to offer you the basics. Think about it this way: if you want a professional stager to come in and stage your house, great. That's like taking a Spanish four class in high school. What we're talking about today is getting your house ready to go on the market. This is like Spanish one. You're not even going to bring this the professional stager in to talk about where you're going to put the tables and you know the cute pillows and all the fun colors until we get these basics done and out of the way first. So what we're talking about today is what you need to do to prep your home period whether or not you're actually wanting a professional stager to come in and stage your house okay so there are some sort of base in other words we're not going to get crazy and with with this this is just uh, you know um some basic stuff to make the house as appealing as you can just you know with what you got with you know without getting crazy and going out and buying new stuff or whatever okay so what is curb appeal Yes. So I think what what is the old cliche? You never get the second opportunity to make a first impression or a first opinion. Good, That's what good, this good. is. You, you, you work that in nicely. You have it exactly <laughs> right. You know, you have seven seconds to make your first impression. And, and that's what Curb Appeal is about. I can tell you, I have been with buyers where if I pull up to a house and, you know, especially this time of year where the sun is shining and the grass is growing, if your grass hasn't been cut and it's up to, you know, my ankles or my knees, or I've got shutters that are falling half off, they're half hanging, you know, part of the roof has been blown off or there's cracked chip paint all over the place, you know, whatever. Curb appeal is huge. 
And it doesn't take a whole lot to do. Again, I'm not looking for you to go out and spend $10,000 on a professional landscape where I'm talking about, you got to make sure that your grass is cut. You know, if you, if you feel so, um, desired, maybe you put some fresh mulch around the bed to kind of spruce that up. But uh, more than that, you know, clean up the front yard. I can't tell you how many times I go over to houses and there are toys sprawled all over the place. There's a hose that's just randomly laying out. There's junk on the porch. I- I'm pretty sure there are beer cans on the porch from, you know, 4th of July, 2015. Like you <laughs> trash cans that are spewed all over the place. Really make sure that, you know, you're, you're, your front lawn's cleaned up, you know, make sure stuff is appropriately stored away, make sure things are just trimmed and they, and they look neat again, not needing to spend $10,000 on landscaping, but make sure your grass is cut and make sure your junk's put away and make sure we have a clear path to get into the house. Right. And, and again, it sounds like common sense, but it's stuff that people don't think about. Um, if, if you walk into some, if you look at, think about buying somebody's house, or buying a house and you walk up to it and there's crap everywhere and it's dirty, you know, that, that first impression is really going to set people off. Yeah. Maybe, you know, you, you might sell a house, but maybe you're not going to get what you want. Right, Jason. If yep. it, that's the kind yep. of thing that could make a difference between that. Absolutely. And, and we're also talking about what we can do, what we can do to get top dollar. And, and I'll give you a perfect example right now. I'm in the process of my front lawn. I'm trying to plant some grass in, in a couple little areas. So I have to water the grass twice a day and I'm just lazy beyond all reproach, I leave the hose out in the front yard because as I get 10 minutes, two or three times a day, I go out and I water the lawn. I don't put the hose back. I I just leave it out there because I know I'm going to need it three times a day. No sense pulling in and pulling it back. If I'm selling the house, if I've got to water the lawn three times a day, you bet your sweet bippy, pull that hose back in, get it up off the side, make it look neat and presentable for when, you know, you have people coming to tour your house. Let's talk about how the thing smells. <laughs> so yeah, so now we've gotten through the curb appeal, we've gotten to the inside of the house, and I can promise you, I cannot tell you how many times offensive odors have turned off my buyers. I can tell you the two big ones right away. Look, I'm sorry, you're a smoker, do it outside. I cannot tell you how many times I've walked into a house and that offensive cigarette smell has is just permeating throughout the entire house. And if you've got someone that's um, you know, not a fan of cigarette smoke. It's just, it's a big deterrent. And not only is it a big deterrent, uh, it's very hard to get out of the house. It is very, very hard to get that smell out once it gets in. So I noticed that, that, that um, cigarette smoke is a big one. The other one is, I hate to say it, uh, for all of you pet lovers out there, you know, make sure that, you know, you're taking care of your pets, you're cleaning up after your pets, you're emptying the litter box. Um, maybe you're thinking about shampooing the carpets before you put your house on the market because just because you love your seven dogs that you own doesn't necessarily mean that everyone and I've I've even worked with buyers who you know I've I've had buyers tell me hey look can you find out ahead of time if there's a cat in the house I have such a high pet allergy if there's a cat I can't I can't buy the house I'm just too allergic so those are the two big uh, pet odors and cigarette uh, odors are probably the two most common ones that we deal with but more than that just make sure you're cleaning up your house. You would be stunned at what a little bit of like pine saw and Lysol. Now, yeah, I know that stuff is like, you know, more more precious than gold at this point, trying to find Lysol and Clorox wipes. But it's one of those ones where keep the house clean, keep the house smelling fresh, maybe light, you know, not too offensive of a candle, keep the, the plugins in, in the wall. Just do what you can to keep a nice aroma because I'm telling you, same thing with the curb appeal. You get hit with an offensive odor right up front. Um, 
that that's that's going to be an issue from the start. So make sure you are very um, aware of your of your smells that you may not be aware of. And now this was an issue for me um, uh, when I had to many years ago, I, I sold a house and the agent came and we had the initial meeting and I will admit it was a mess. <laughs> stuff everywhere. I had uh, some different people that I was living with. Some moved out. Different things happened, and stuff hadn't just not been put, you know, back. Yeah. I was. I, I understood that I couldn't show it to people, nor would I want people in my house with stuff <laughs> everywhere. Um, I'm just right. that kind of person. But um, so, so I did. But I did get a, a stern talking to <laughs> about it before. I was like, yes, no, no, no. I understand. No, I just trust me. I'm not a moron. Um, but but go ahead and and talk about this. Uh, you know, decluttering and then depersonalizing. Yes, yes. So we're actually going to kind of break those uh, those two things apart. So as far as decluttering goes, that's exactly it. <clears throat> You want to make sure that that your house is is clear of just all your stuff and your junk for a number of different reasons. First off, is um, amidst all the stuff, you know, if you have valuable stuff, you don't want that getting accidentally trampled on, stepped on, broken, or whatever. So you want to make sure that your valuable stuff is put away, and it's not amidst a pile of stuff, you know, clothes, junk, things like that that people might misconstrue. But more than that, the big issue is if you have stuff all over. Um, I'll use my wife as a, as a perfect example. When she sees somebody else's mess, she gets anxiety for them. <laughs> and so if, if, you know, somebody like her and I, where cleanliness is really important to us, if we walk in and we see the seller's mess, we can't look past that. We can't envision our stuff. We can't envision us utilizing the space if your stuff is, is all over the place. And so that's the, the other real big reason why you just want to have it cleaned up because again, um, it, it can be, I think they say that less than 5% of buyers have the ability to be able to see beyond other people's stuff. And so if they can't visualize their items, you know, their belongings, their setup, they're not going to want to buy your house. And, and I've seen buyers walk away from houses because they don't like the paint color. And I'm having a stern talking to my buyers going, well, look, you can change paint colors. That's, that's easy. Get some primer. And that's, that's a, that's an afternoon's worth of, you know, work and drinking beer. Like that can be fixed. So if they can't envision past painting, God only knows that they're not going to be able to look past the, 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 you know, loads of laundry all over the place and stuff and toys and, and everything else. Um, the other, the other thing that we want to, to talk about is, uh, depersonalizing, um, again, because they buyers want to be able to envision their stuff. They don't want to see your wedding pictures. They don't want to see your baby pictures. They want to see their wedding pictures. They want to see their baby pictures. You know, you might use this, um, you know, this space as an office and, and, uh, a buyer might see it as their, their music studio, or, you know, you might use it as a playroom and somebody else sees it as their office. You, you don't know what a buyer's thinking and you want to depersonalize it um, so that they can envision their stuff. But, and I want to take a second and I'm not going to dwell on this too much, but you know, I always talk about calling this podcast, the really real real estate podcast for the reason that sometimes we just have to have really real conversations. And this is another one of those moments. So the other reason why I am really adamant about depersonalizing a house as much as possible 
is because I like to think in my perfect world where nothing ever is a problem that when we go to market your house, you know, and, and we, and we're blasting it on all these websites, Zillow and Realtor and truly and all these other websites. I like to think that in a perfect world, the only people that are going on these sites are people who are truly desperate and in need to buy a house. And they want to see if your house is going to meet their needs to a point where they want to buy it. Unfortunately, there are just, and I hate to say it, but there's some really shitty people in this world. And so you don't necessarily want to um, give people the that may have the wrong idea what what's in your house. You know, if you get people that are going on, you know, these sites to see if maybe there's a bunch of valuable stuff in the house mm-hmm. or maybe an older person lives there. So there's a potential for, um, you know, high end or expensive medications or heaven forbid, even some of the most awful people of the world who should forever rot in hell um, are looking to see if maybe like little children live in the home. You just, you don't want to give away what maybe is inside your home. And so you want to just depersonalize as much as possible. Give me an example of like, because there's certain things people just aren't going to be able to do. Like if this room is, if your room is an office, I mean, do they, you're still living there. So you can't really completely turn that off. You know what? So can we like because I'm a little confused as what, how far we go and just so give me I think if we just had a couple examples. Sure, um, and actually th- this kind of leads into my next point too, which is I use the example for um, a lot of my my sellers as far as you want to go into hotel living and what what do I mean by hotel living? Well, when you go to a hotel, what's there? There's you know a bed, there's maybe a couple chairs, some linens and some towels and some basic you know salts and not salts, um, soaps and shampoos. And that's what it comes down to you. You want to look at your house and go, okay, yes, I still need to live here, but what can I do absolutely without? Because if everything goes the right way, by the time I put it on the market and I get ready to sell, you know, I could be out, uh, out of here and in three months. And so a perfect example, you know, we're recording this episode in the middle of June. If you were to put your house on the market today, hopefully if everything is done and goes the right way, you're probably going to be done by September. You don't need any of your winter apparel. You don't need if you've got winter clothes, if you've got ski stuff, you know, snowboarding, whatever. So <clears throat> by going into hotel living, you know, what can we, you know, put into storage or put into pods and have it stored for us? Maybe storing stuff in a storage unit or storing stuff at a friend or a family's house. What can we get out of there so that we have, you're right, we still have to have an office, we still have to work, we still have to be able to function, but how can we function on the most minimum amount of stuff as possible? And then we get the rest of the stuff either, again, in storage. I mean, how many companies out there now have storage pods where you fill it up with all your crap, they store it away for you for how many months, and then they drop it off at your new house. So we, you know, we talk about hotel living. Do you really need to have it? And if you do, great. But if not, let's find a way to to get it out of the house so you only you're really on minimalist living. For well, you're, you're right. Okay, so so this is all in the sort of prepping to to, to right. move, anyways. So having this stuff reduced is kind of like already kind of gets a lot of stuff out of the way. So right. it, it was less packing at the end if you think about it too, because stuff is yeah. stuff is kind of so there's a portion of things that are already kind of uh, put put away, taken off premises. Yep. Uh, good. Thanks for clearing that yep. up. I was a little confused yep. on that. Absolutely. And you're actually, you're, you're hinting at my, at my final thoughts here. So I'm, I'm going to let, I'm going to let it simmer with that because I'm going to return to what you just said here at the, uh, at the end of the episode. And also what we want to keep, no, we did talk about decluttering and, and right. things like that, but keeping areas clear and accessible. So if you've always put that, 
rocking chair up against that closet door. Right. Right. Maybe maybe rethink that because the because the people yeah. are going to buy it are going to be like, what's what's that door? What does it go to? Right. Yeah. Why why are you blocking that door? Why do you not want us to go in the door? <laughs> people people can cock all kinds of stuff in their heads. But yeah. So keeping areas uh, clear and accessible. I actually was coming at this from two ways. You're absolutely right, Lou. You don't want to be blocking doorways. You don't want to be blocking um, you know accessibility points throughout the home. But the other more important thing is to make sure that when you're packing, we get it. We understand that maybe you're going to have to put some boxes in the garage. You know, you may have to store some boxes in the basement or in a couple of the closets. We, we understand that. We respect that. But the two things that I always like to point out is number one, you want to make sure that all of your, um, your, your main, um, I guess, utility areas um, of the, of the house are clear. You want to make sure that you can still get to your electrical panel, hot water tank, HVAC, Two reasons. One, heaven forbid, if you have an issue, you want to be able to get your your contractor to those areas. But also because when we have buyers um, that come through and tour the house, um, I'm lucky I know what the electrical panel is, let alone how it functions. But again, you don't know which buyer is going to come through that might be a licensed electrician and wants to spend a little bit of time looking at your your electrical panel. So you want to make sure that stuff is clear, A, so you have access to it, but then also B, any potential buyer who may be interested in looking at your HVAC system or electrical panel um, can have access to that. The second part of that is that you want to make sure that you are not filling up a space so much that you can't have uh, a visibility to it. And the most common one that I see is the garage. You don't want to fill your garage up with so much junk that buyers can't see what your garage offers, especially if you're in a home where it's a two-car garage and maybe you have a bump out and you have a little bit of space. You want buyers to be able to see that. And if you're floor to ceiling with with boxes of stuff from you know 1972, that can be kind of hard to 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 for buyers to be able to see you know what what amenities amenities they have to offer if it's just filled with stuff. And you want them to be able to to see you know what, what those spaces have to offer. Okay, guys, keep it clear, keep it accessible. Think about maybe think imagine like a hotel and how you would live and what a hotel has just the basics you want to kind of as much as you can get it no no clutter depersonalize odors we talked about that at the beginning as well as curb appeal no garbage in the you know it, it, no newspaper stacking up on the front lawn or 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 anything like that you want to make this as appealing. And you also want to be thinking about, as Jason uh, mentioned earlier, was people, you, you want them to be able to imagine their stuff in that house. They want to be able mm-hmm. to imagine how yep. the house is going to be when they're in there. And the more you have your stamp on it, the harder it is. And this is just a human thing, is the harder it is for other people to kind of imagine themselves being there. Um, so it's all good stuff to keep in mind. But I know, I think Jason hinted that there was one final thing he wanted to cover. Yep. And, and and I know this sounds like this is going to be the most obvious, um, Captain Obvious thing that I'm going to say, but you're selling your house. That means you're moving. So why not get a leg up on it? Um, but more than that, what I like to let my buyers know is that, or my sellers, excuse me, know is this. Anymore right now, we're in the midst of a very hot seller's market where I'm seeing sometimes properties selling with hours, not necessarily days. So I just want you to think that let's say you go ahead and you put your house up on the market on a you know Thursday 
And by Saturday and through the weekend, you've had, you know, showings on the hour, every hour. So you've had 20, 30, 40 showings, you get multiple offers. And now all of a sudden that property that you put on the market, you know, Wednesday is now under contract, moving towards a definitive close date by Monday. And let's say that buyer is truly motivated and they want to close in 30 days. Now, all of a sudden you've gone from Wednesday to still owning your own home, living in it full time to not even a week later, you've got to be out. And in the state of Pennsylvania, sorry, if you're living in Ohio, I know Ohio does it differently, but in the state of Pennsylvania, the close date is the the day the buyer gets to take possession. Not even one week later, you've got under 30 days to be out. Why not already be halfway out? Because the last thing you want to do is with all your stuff in the house, do you really want to panic and have to be moved out in 30 days? So why not get halfway done before you put the house on the market? And it's just one less thing you have to stress about as you move towards closing. I, I can tell you this from personal experience. I did not have a real realtor who was as good as Jason uh, when I Thank when you. I moved to the house I am now, and I sold this other house, and it was insane getting the everything packed up and trying to figure out what we were going to do in a month. It was I was off the hook. I, I never imagined I never had stress like that in my life. Um, and had somebody said like you know let's start thinking about getting a storage unit. You know, what are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And all that. And like hotel living, let's let's pare it all down a little bit at a time as you go along um, would have been way better off. There was so many trips. It was it was mayhem. And I think it like took a, a couple of years off my life. It was that stressful. So this, this is a really powerful episode here, guys. So please, I hope you paid attention to everything. But you can always go back and listen again. It's a podcast. You can go back and yep. check it out. Hit what the rewind button. Hit the rewind button. Um, all great stuff, Jason. Um, if if folks are interested in there, because you did tell say that it is a seller's market right now. Yes. I don't know when you guys are listening, but right now it is. Um, if folks want to get a hold of you to sell, maybe they are going, no, no, we are really ready. We're, we want to do this thing. And, you know, all the advice you're giving today sounds really awesome. You sound like the guy that could really help us. How do folks get a hold of you? Yes. So the best way to get a hold of me is uh, 412-651-4638. That is the cell phone, 412-651-4638. And the email is just my first name, Jason, J-A-S-O-N dot Wilcox, W-I-L-C-O-X at Pittsburgh Moves, uh, dot com. Uh, and before uh, we, we we wrap this up, Lou, just one other thing you mentioned. Um, I am always available to if uh, anybody has any questions or you want me to just meet with you at the house and just do a walkthrough and give you some advice. I never walk into a house expecting that I'm going to list it tomorrow. I understand that everyone calendar is different. Some people want to list next week. Some people want to do it next month. Some people want to do it next year. So call me on my cell phone, email me, let me know if you want me to come over and talk to you. Because again, the first thing I want to find out is what your timeline is, because we're going to work on your timeline, not on mine. Excellent. Uh, Jason is uh, very, obviously very knowledgeable. So please, if you're give, even thinking that you might want to do it, give him a call, shoot him an email, shoot him a text, and uh, very easy to work with. No pressure. He'll come in and he'll work with you on it. All right, guys, you've been listening to the Really Real Real Estate Podcast, episode 13. Uh, as always, I'm blown away. I learned so much, and I hope that you guys did too. But don't forget to hit Jason up if you're thinking about any of this stuff. Have a great rest of the day, guys, and we'll catch you on the next Really Real Real Estate Podcast.